<clears throat> Happy Mother's Day. We want to take a moment in, uh, in our service before we even get started and just um, honor the mothers that are in our midst. Um, how many of you know that mothering is hard work? Um, and all the moms are like, amen, hallelujah. Um, and, and mothering goes far beyond just giving birth. We have uh, stepmothers in here and adoptive mothers, foster moms, grandmothers, spiritual moms, mentor moms. And uh, if you just join me, we just pray a, a blessing over them today. Lord Jesus, um, we know that mothering is not for the faint of heart. And um, we pray right now for those who have received a child this year. Uh, we celebrate with them. We pray for those who have lost a child this year, and we, we mourn with them. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day, with uh, the badge of food stains on their clothing, we appreciate them. To those who have experienced loss through this year through miscarriage or failed adoptions, Lord, we, we come alongside and mourn with them as well. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, we walk with them. To those who are adoptive moms and foster moms and mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need them. To those who have lost their mothers, we, we grieve with them. To those who are pregnant with new life, and maybe they don't even know it, we anticipate with them. God, I thank you for the blessing of mothers. We have real warriors in our midst, and we pray blessing over them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I just want to let you know, right after service on your way out, we're going to have some treats um, by the doors. And then also, uh, there's like a selfie wall. You can take some pictures, and there's like a little thing that you can, I don't know how you do it, with the QR code on your phone and post it on social media. And we've got like a gift basket that could be yours. So we'll be picking uh, one of those pictures on, on Instagram or Facebook and then uh, giving out one of those, uh, those baskets to the winner. So anyway, cool. Well, listen, we are in a sermon series called Overwhelmed. And I'll tell you what, we have been talking about all kinds of good stuff like anxiety and worry and um, doubt, um, things like um, loneliness, all kinds of great stuff, right? And I can't tell you how many things, how many times like I've, I've been getting instant messages and text messages and emails from people saying like, Pastor Justin, like you are preaching right to me this week. It is exactly what I needed to hear because the reality is, is that I feel like so many of us feel overwhelmed in this season. Maybe for you, it's, it's finances, your financial situation you just can't seem to get out of. For, for maybe for you, you're, you're in the midst of some marriage difficulties. Maybe you're in the midst of, of job loss or job change, or you've got a health crisis, or maybe just thing that you're just maintaining through life that is a health scare. Maybe it's your mental and emotional state. Maybe it's like all of it, all of the above, all combined. And you're just like, man, I, I feel overwhelmed. The reality is, is that life has this way of making every single one of us feel overwhelmed. So I was thinking about how can I show this in uh, an illustration. And so I've got these, these two different plates. Uh, you, might, you might notice, apart from the fact that one's red and one's white, the reality is, is that one of these is just a regular dinner plate and the other is a stroke of genius. If you're a type A personality like yours truly, 
when you go to a barbecue this summer and you, you're like, you're just going through, you're ready to get like your hamburger and your baked beans and your coleslaw and your mac and cheese and, and you see one of these plates, your immediate thought is this, these people know how to party. My, am I talking? Am I talking to anybody in here? Hallelujah. I see that. I hear that. Yes, sir. I see that. Thank you for that hand. The, the beauty of this plate is what? Anybody? You type A people right here. Let me know what. You, thank you, ma'am. Your food does not touch, which, which is, and some of you guys, I hear you guys, type B people in here are like, oh my gosh, that's so dumb. Nobody even cares about that. This is why you should care about this, okay? Because let me just blow this out to you because you're like, because you, maybe you're a type B person. You're like, oh, that's what this is? I have no idea. The reality is this. You can go through the line and you get mac and cheese in this one and you get coleslaw in this one, right? Okay, now let me explain this to you. This is a big deal because that means that your coleslaw does not infect your mac and cheese with its coleslawiness. This is huge. It also means you get a hamburger, you put it right here. It is safely contained from the fruit salad juices that are going to make your buns soggy. Okay? Hallelujah. This is great news for you. So for those of you who are type B, you didn't even realize what you had. Okay? Wouldn't it be so cool if we could experience life like a divided plate? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, I think about this. So, like, wouldn't it be awesome if, like, you could have your marriage safely contained here, and then your finances ain't no thing. It's just they, they hang out over here, and you don't fight over your finances in your marriage because there's this wall. Like, you don't, you don't cross over. It doesn't bleed over or infect your finances. Your marriage and those things are completely separate. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, your past was right here? And like, you never had to worry about your past leaking over and making your present circumstances soggy. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just experience life like a divided plate? And if we're honest, part of the reason why we're overwhelmed right now, part of the reason why you're like, I, I just, I've got so many things going on, I'm completely overwhelmed with the situation that I'm currently in. Part of the reason why we're in the place that we're in is because all the parts of our life touch. They all bleed into each other, which means that you, you don't get to experience the good things and the bad things separately. They all touch each other, which means that you can get really good news on a really bad day. And you can get really bad news on a really good day. And it's a mixed bag. Life is kind of like a big, heaping plate of food. And some of you, you're like, Pastor Justin, this is how I feel. I feel like I went to Thanksgiving dinner, and there's a whole spread, and they give me a dessert plate and say, go at it. And you're literally, you're just mounding things up as high as you can and pouring gravy over the top of all of it hoping that you can keep everything. And you're like, this is how I feel, Pastor Justin. I feel completely overwhelmed. I feel like I got too much food and not enough plate. And I'm, I'm, I'm overextended. I've got too many things. I've said yes to too many things. I've said no to nothing in my life. And I am completely overwhelmed. Completely overwhelmed. And even today, 
Mother's Day. I mean, let's be honest. We're celebrating a day that is like amazing, the, the miracle of motherhood. But if we're completely honest, motherhood is exhausting. Motherhood is completely overwhelming. I can remember, I was thinking about this today, and Katie will, will actually, and my daughter's here. I remember when we brought her home from the hospital. She's almost 18, so it was almost 18 years ago. Um, and I remember bringing her home, and it was very odd because the nurses were very concerned about the car seat situation. I don't know if you've ever, you bring a first child home, and they're, they take, they take you down there and they want to make sure. They're like, okay, is this thing anchored right? And all this stuff. And they're like, okay. And then they, they strap your kid into the car seat and they're like, Zzz. and you're like, oh my gosh, their arms are going to pop off. And they're like, nope, no, you got to make sure two fingers, you can't get two fingers underneath there. And I'm like, I don't think you can get anything underneath there. They're like, no, this is what it needs to be just like this. And then they, they literally zip your kid into this thing. They're very concerned about this. And then what? They're like, see ya. And I literally remember Katie and I are driving. We have Molly in the back and we're looking at each other like, I can't believe they let us take a kid out of here. Like, did you get the handbook? I didn't get a handbook. Was there a handbook? They didn't give us a pop quiz. There was nothing. They were just like, hey, they're very concerned. All right, we got them all strapped in there. Peace out. And, and then they left. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea that we weren't going to sleep for weeks. We had no idea that this beautiful child was not going to be satisfied for more than two hours at a time, forever, right? We had no idea. Honestly, honestly, we had no idea that, that, this, that this amazing gift was going to puke on us and poop on us incessantly. We had no clue. And we also had no clue that, that she would be one of the greatest gifts that God would ever trust us with. And luckily, she stopped pooping on us after two to three years. <laughs> if you're there, it's coming. You know, two more years, you're good. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Why don't you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to read a story today. You're like, what does this have to do with anything? We're going to read a story today of some people that understood all too well, probably even maybe more than you, of what it means to be overwhelmed by life. To just have all your food touching and to feel like, man, I got too little plate and too much on it at the same time. It's a group of 10 lepers. Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 11 and read down through. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus. Uh, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. And as, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked this question, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to them, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this great reminder that in the midst of an overwhelming life with too little plate and too much food and all of its touching, Lord, that it is so important for us to be remembering that which you are doing in our midst and not be too busy to turn around and give you praise and give you thanks for what you are doing. Lord, we thank you. May you mold us, make us, and change us to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So, it starts out, verse 12, it says, As Jesus was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And then it says that they stood at a distance. Now, if anyone understands what it feels like to be overwhelmed, it is these 10 men because they had a disease and maybe you know about it. You probably heard about it It's called leprosy. And it wasn't just a diagnosis to manage. It was an infection that touched every single part of their life. And uh, they, they had this thing called, you know, we, we, we call it leprosy. It essentially caused all the food on their plate to touch at one time. It was, it was a horrific disease and essentially a death sentence in that day. They were overwhelmed by a bunch of different things. They were overwhelmed physically. Um, if you know anything about leprosy, sometimes the, the symptoms wouldn't show up until five to 10 years after you were infected. And, and how you would know is that your extremities, what I mean, fingers, hands, arms, feet, nose, ears, anything that was outside of your core would begin to slowly go numb and then disfigure, become deformed, die, and then eventually they would say fall off of you essentially. So they're overwhelmed physically at the death sentence of this, not just a disease that we can just take pills for, but that this was going to be the long haul. They were overwhelmed socially. They had to isolate from everyone. We know about quarantining over the past couple of years. Well, this was kind of, this wasn't just like, yeah, you quarantine for 14 days or 10 days or whatever this is. They, they quarantined for their entire lives. They couldn't even be around their own wife or children once they were diagnosed with leprosy. They had to live in a place called a leper colony, which essentially was a group of people that wouldn't normally be friends, but all of a sudden were family because they had one thing in common. They all had this disease that was incurable. So they, they were also overwhelmed religiously. They couldn't go to church if they wanted to go to church. They weren't accepted. They couldn't even be around people. Um, they were required by religious law to keep their distance. And if anybody who was clean and, and well walked near them, they had to, it was their responsibility to let everybody know that they were unclean. And so they would literally have to yell out that one word unclean, 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 three times they had to yell it out just to make sure that the people that were in the general vicinity knew, not that I'm sick, but that I am wholly unclean. That's, that's probably the, the greatest part of why they felt like they were completely, every part of their life touched because they were touched physically, emotionally, religiously, Every area was affected by this disease that they had. They were altogether unclean, overwhelmed as every part touched. So this story begins with essentially this group of 10 guys, 10 men who had leprosy. The Bible says that one of them was a Samaritan. 
Now, if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans is that they didn't normally associate with each other. They wouldn't normally be friends. But how many of, how many of us know that like misery loves company, right? And so it's their disease that brought them together. They wouldn't normally even associate together. They would probably cross the other side of the road to avoid each other. But now all of a sudden they're living in the same colony together because they have something in common, which is their common disease. And that's what unites them. In verse 12, it continues. It says they stood at a distance and then they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. It's, a, it's interesting to me that they don't actually ask Jesus to heal them of leprosy. Isn't that weird? Like they're, they're not like, hey, well, it's 10. We got leprosy. Could you fix this? This is our problem. They just plead for pity. They're like, master, have pity on us. Because when you are overwhelmed, you sometimes can't even put into words what you need or what you want. You ever been there? Where you're like, you know, you're completely overwhelmed. You've said yes to no. You've got too small of a plate, too many things on it. You've got bad news on a really good day or good news on a really bad day. And it really doesn't matter because it's all touching. And people are like, how can I help you? What can I do? And you're just like, I just need a break. Like if I could just push pause on life, that might help. I don't really know. They're just literally pleading for pity. They don't even know what to ask Jesus to specifically do. They can't even put words to it. And when you're in an overwhelming situation, it is very difficult for you to see life outside of your overwhelming situation. Like, I don't know, I just got this and I just heard from the doctor here and I don't really know where this is going to go and I just lost my job and I have no idea. Well, what, can, what can we do? How can we help? I don't know. I just am overwhelmed. I just need a break. Just, I just need a break. The thing that I love about these 10 guys is that they put themselves in the best possible position. They position themselves as near to Jesus as they can get without, without getting too close. So they're literally like, they're, they're as close as they can get to Jesus because they probably realized that they were at the end of themselves. And when you're at the end of, the, of yourself, you're usually at the beginning of God. They were, I don't know, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you kind of came in here today and you're just like, you just don't even understand what I was doing last night and where I've been and what I've done. And you're at the end of yourself. Good news to you, just like these lepers, just like every single one of us, just like me. It's usually the beginning of God when we finally come to the end of ourself. And so these guys, they, uh, verse 14, let's read it. It says, when Jesus saw them, this is what he said. Catch what he says to them. He says, go, show yourselves to the priests. Pause there for a second. This may sound kind of weird to, to those of you who, you know, have no idea why Jesus would say, go and show yourself to, to the priests. But I want you to understand something. In this day, in this day and age, Part of a Jewish priest's responsibilities was to examine people, almost like a doctor. I mean, you can read through some of the Old Testament. It gets actually graphic and weird. Like if you had like any sort of skin condition of any sort, you were to go to the Jewish priest and be examined. And so you'd go and be like, hey, I got this bunion. I got this wart. Could you check out my legion? I don't know why I'm showing you my rear. But I mean, you just literally like, they're just like, could you, hey, uh, Hey, Mr. Priest, man, doctor guy, whatever you, could you check this thing out? And he was to examine them and determine, he'd be like, well, what color hair is coming out of the, literally, if it's a white hair, then it's not. It's like, 
it was, there was, there's a whole thing in the Old Testament about, you know, really for a Jewish priest to be able to say, yes, you have been healed. This war is okay. This legion will pass, right? And if you had leprosy and thought that you were healed, you would have to go and be examined by a Jewish priest. I thank God that is no longer the responsibility of a pastor. Come on. You should be, you should be glad too, because I would be like, get, you're unclean. Go. Every single one of you. I'm sorry. So, so this, is what, <laughs> this is what happens. They have to go and be inspected by a priest, and then he would either deem you acceptable to be able to enter back into society or still unclean to go back to the leper colony. Kind of makes sense now that you understand that this was the role of a priest, why Jesus would say this. Except there's one problem here. Jesus didn't heal them. If you read it, he just says, go and show yourself to the priests, which would make this command intensely confusing. Because as all 10 of these guys are like, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And they're like, do I look, do I look, do I look okay? Am I healed? No, man. No, you don't look good at all. Is my, hey, is my ear back on? No, it's still gone, dude. How many fingers am I holding up? Like, I mean, like, they're still sick. They still have leprosy. There's no like, oh, Jesus healed us. Yeah, so let's go, dude. Let's go. Pick up your leg and let's go. You know what I mean? Like, there's none of that that's even happening. They're pleading for pity. And Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. I want you to understand the amount of faith that it would have taken to go and to show when they have no reason to go and absolutely nothing to show. So they just decide, okay, we're, we're going to do this thing. In verse 14, catch it. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Let me say that again. And as they went, they were cleansed. See, I think that many times when we're overwhelmed, when these guys are, we expect God to move in the instantaneous. We expect God to move in the extraordinary. We expect him to go up and to lay hands on, the, on us and to just, this just fixes all of our problems. But many times God calls us to walk out our obedience in the ordinary. And that's the maddening part of sometimes when we see Jesus healing people is that we, we will just, just fix my problem. Have pity on me. Just do these things. And he says, I want you to walk in obedience to the command that I'm giving you, even though you don't understand it. And it was as they went that they were healed. The hard part about Christianity is this reality that many times obedience precedes the miraculous. And many times, I'm just going to be honest, in my own life, maybe you haven't experienced this, but I certainly have, when I am in an overwhelming place, God is usually asking me to do something that seems completely counterintuitive. You ever been there where you're just like, hey, uh, I, I'm struggling, master, have pity on me, and he says, I want you to go do this. And you're like, that makes zero sense. I'm not doing it. I don't know about, like, think about this. Think, here's some crazy things that God asks us to do. He's like, I want you to tithe when you feel like you don't have enough. I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? I'm concerned that I don't have enough and you're like, give away some. That means I have less than what I thought I had. That doesn't make sense. Why in the world would I give Jesus? 
God says things like this, I want you to forgive, even though they don't deserve it. <laughs> I, I, that's kind of your job, maybe, right? Like, I don't see why I would want to forgive or could even forgive somebody. They didn't, they didn't even know. They're not even sorry. It makes zero sense. God says things like, I want you to seek community. Uh, I've tried that. I was part of a small group. It imploded and didn't go well. People backstabbed me. I'm all good. I'm actually better at just being me, uh, an island unto myself. And God's like, oh, I want you to seek community. That doesn't make any sense. He says, I want you to pray until the peace comes. Well, I, 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 while I respect that, I've tried this thing out. I've done this prayer thing. I actually had other people praying for the same thing. I've been praying for days, weeks, months, even a year. I've been praying for this to change and nothing seems to be working. Prayer's not working the way, at least maybe I'm not putting the key in the hole the right way. I have no idea, but this does not make sense. And then Jesus says things like this that we talked about last week. Don't worry. Okay. I mean, that's hard because Honestly, worry is sometimes the only time when I feel like I have any control in life. Because if I can worry about it and just kind of spin around on this thing, then I think that maybe I'm, I'm controlling it to some degree. That makes, that makes absolutely no sense. And then, and then Jesus tells 10 lepers to go and show when they have no reason to go and nothing to show. That makes no sense. He tells them to be obedient to God's ways even when they don't understand it. And this, man, I'll tell you this, this is where I look at all 10 of those lepers and I'm like, you guys had it. I mean, you got it. You nailed it. You weren't healed and Jesus told you to do something and all 10 of you, maybe, maybe a couple of you were straggling back, but you went with the group. Why? Maybe it was good that you had 10 friends to be able to like surround yourself with. You had a great small group of people that were literally dragging you along even though you didn't understand it and maybe you didn't even want to because you felt silly. Kudos to all 10 of those guys. And then in verse 15, it continues. One, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. The Bible says that only one out of 10 decides to make a comeback. Only one. Now, all of them decide in faith, radical faith, even at, at the risk of looking dumb, going in front of a priest to say, hey, could you check me out? I think my ear's still gone, but could maybe... This took radical faith. All 10 of them do this, but only one makes the decision to come back. And this is where I start to get upset with the other nine. Like, well, are you guys kidding me? Like, were you too busy? What's going on in your life that we, you are so busy that you get healed on your way to go do what Jesus told you to do? And you do not have, how ungrateful, you ungrateful leper, right? For you to not, not go back and walk back. You hobbled there. You're walking back. You couldn't go back and thank the one who healed you? How in the world can you not do that? And then I begin to realize this. Gratitude is not natural. It isn't like we, I like to think it is. I like to say that I'm naturally a thankful person, but I'm not. 90% of them don't make a comeback. 
And, and I felt the Lord say, is it really that different with you? Is it, is it really that different? How easy it is for me to start to take credit when things around me start looking good. Right? In my family, things turn around. In my, my marriage, things turn, turn around. In my job, I get a raise. I'm like, yeah, because I work hard. Thank you. I mean, God, you did, but like me, I'm, finally I got noticed, right? When things start to, t- to turn around in other areas of our life, all of a sudden we start to take credit in those areas of our life. Like our health, things turn around. We're like, well, I, I have been trying to eat right, <laughs> right? Like, and I begin to focus on what I did to get me where I am. And I wonder, I mean, we don't know this. This is just Justin kind of like, speculating, right? Like, I wonder if the other nine were too busy praising themselves for their audacious faith, for their radical obedience. I wonder if the conversation with the other nine, one guy went back to go thank Jesus, but the other nine are like, did you see me? Like, Jesus looked at me. I think he was looking at me. I don't know. He might have glanced at you guys, but he was looking right at me. And he said, you go show yourself to the priest. And I said, I will. I will walk. I will do it. Do you see me? Do you guys see me? I think I was like a step ahead of all of you. And I walked in an audacious faith. I mean, radical. Like, like, I just went all in. Did you see me? How amazing am I? Hallelujah me. Did you notice me? Did you see what I did? I wonder if they were too busy just being enthralled with their own radical obedience and daring faith that they forgot to praise the one who healed them to turn around and make that walk backwards, to go back and give him praise. Now, what, what would have happened if they weren't healed? Like, let's say Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest, and they're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then they're walking to the priest, and it takes most of the day because you got to walk everywhere back then, especially if you're a leper. You're not getting like an Uber, right? And so you're walking, 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 and they don't get healed. I'll tell you what would have happened there would have been a greater percentage of those coming back. They would have been like, excuse me, Jesus. Um, yeah, uh, us 10, you said to go do, and we did. We wasted an entire day. Like, I don't know if you, uh, you left a magic word off of the spell that you put on it. I have no idea, but you screwed it up, right? Like, we did what you told us to do, and it doesn't seem to be working. So if you could get it right this time, I mean, no rush, but rush. You could get it right this time, then, then we could go about on our way. And I thank you. I mean, I meant to say thank you first. See, because thankfulness always begins where our sense of entitlement ends. And this one Samaritan knew it. Like, maybe because this one Samaritan had no sense of entitlement. Because if you know anything about Samaritans and Jews, is that I think that this Samaritan was just completely amazed that he got healed in a group of Jewish lepers. I think he was like, dude, talk about right place, right time. I just slipped in the door. I can't even believe it. I got healed. I mean, I don't know where they are now, but I was just like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. And I ran back to go give praise to God. And we see in verse 16, it says that he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He was a Samaritan. So this, this guy was not just a former like, leper, he was also a guy that knew that he didn't deserve anything. 
He was just thinking maybe I'm just lucky to be in the group of 10. There's no entitlement there. Nothing. And he was the only one who came back. And he turned his blessing into praise. Because unless you turn your blessing into praise, it will most likely turn into pride. I'm going to say that one more time. Unless you turn your blessing into praise, it will most likely turn into pride. I did it. Did you see what I did? Did you see how I walked? Did you see what I did? Did you check that out? It will most likely turn inward. Let me show you what I mean. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It speaks right to this. He said, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Did you catch that? Then it says, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. This, mm, it says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. I mean, this reality is that like our, our lack of thankfulness is actually coming into agreement with the kingdom of darkness. We're like, okay, well, what do I do? I'm overwhelmed. I've got all these things. Worship is the antidote to pride. All 10 got healed. Only one came back. And Jesus noticed. He had been healing people all day. He'd been, I mean, my goodness, this is kind of what he did. This was his deal, right? He was healing and preaching and setting people free, casting out demons. He had a busy day just like every day. He was overwhelmed just like every day. And it says this in verse 17, Jesus asks the one, he says, were not all 10 cleansed? Isn't it amazing that he knew that he, he, he cleansed 10 lepers? I mean, he just was yelling out to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And he knew one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He says, where are the other nine? You're the only one? It blows me away that Jesus knew exactly how many lepers he healed that day. And what it tells me is this, is that Jesus doesn't heal crowds, he heals individuals. And so you may feel like, man, you just don't understand, like too far gone, I've done too much. You don't understand, like I'm just one in the crowd, I'm all alone, he doesn't even notice me. No, he notices you and he sees you and he doesn't heal crowds, he heals individuals. And he sees you and he sets you free individually. And he was watching and he was waiting to see who made a comeback. Can I encourage you? Be the one. Be the one that comes back full turn, full circle, to bring praise to the blessing, to the prayer request. Make it into a praise report. And he says this in verse 18, has no one returned to give praise to God? Let me say that again. Has no one returned? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? My question for you today is this, like, has, is your praise overdue? Are you walking in blessings that used to be prayer requests and you haven't made the comeback yet to turn them into praise reports? Have you received what you've asked for and yet convinced yourself that you did it? (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's hard work, and I do this, and I've been doing this, and not my faith, and my this, and my that. Have you failed to turn it around into praise? Is your praise overdue? Because when, when we turn our blessing into praise, what we see even out of this story is that it actually opens us up to an even greater blessing. I want you to see what happened to this one, the one guy who came back. Verse 19, this is how it ends. He said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. To which you'd think, like, well, I thought he was already made well. Like, but wasn't that the reason why he came back? Wasn't the reason why he fell at his feet? Wasn't that the reason that he noticed, he noticed that he was healed, so he came back? But this word that Jesus has used, uses when he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. That word made well in the Greek is the word sozo which doesn't just mean healed. It actually means delivered. It means rescued. It means saved. It means made whole. And so by making a comeback to Jesus, the one received something greater than all of them had received altogether. And the difference between healing and wholeness was the comeback. Do you see it? Like all 10 got healed. They did. Jesus didn't be like, well, since you didn't come back and give me praise, and I'm just going to negate the healing that I just did for the other nine, and you're the only one that gets healed. No, that's not what happened. All 10 of them get healed, but only one of them, only one of them gets whole. Only one of them. All 10 of them got a word from Jesus, but only one of them got an encounter with Jesus. And I want you to see that God does not ask us to turn our blessing into praise just because he needs a little attaboy or he needs recognition. He doesn't do it for his good. He does it for our good. There is something that happens when we turn our blessing into praise that opens us up for even greater blessing. The other nine went halfway. They, they kind of limped their way to the priest and were declared whole or were declared healed but the other the one made full circle and came back and was declared made whole by the son of god do not stop halfway what god wants to do in and through you why don't you stand with me it's an interesting story <laughs> and maybe you're here today like and you're like, Pastor Justin, this is me. Like, I understand what you're talking about and the whole leper thing and all this, but like, um, this is me. I got, I got too little plate and too much food to put on it. And I've said yes to too much and no to nothing. And, and maybe there's a portion for another sermon for you to say, you know what, there are some things that I need to take off my plate because it's literally just a thing that I poured gravy on top of and I don't even know how to begin eating it, right? Like, Maybe this is where you're at. But I do know that even in the midst of the good and the bad and all of those things kind of mixed together that we don't get to just experience life like a divided plate, that it is so important that we do recognize what it is that God is doing in our midst and turn it around for praise. And sometimes all we do is look at the whole thing and just get overwhelmed with it. And like, I just, I don't even know what to do with this thing. My prayer for you today is not that you would not feel overwhelmed. Life has that way of doing it. My prayer for you today is that you would be overwhelmed by God. 
When you first came to the Lord, those of you who've been in the Lord for a while, you were overwhelmed. You had all kinds of stuff going on. Probably the wheels were coming off the bus. Maybe you came in here half drunk. I have no idea what your story is, right? I mean, but like, when you met the Lord, it wasn't like, oh, finally all my stuff's all figured out. Now I can add Jesus to my plate. No. All of a sudden, in the midst of your overwhelmed place, God shows up and completely overwhelms your overwhelmness. And it just, like, all of the things of this world fade away. It's not that they're not there. And it's not that they're not important. And it's not that you shouldn't be concerned about them. And it's not that they don't need your attention. It's just when you, when you encounter the living God and continually stay at his feet in thankfulness, you can become completely enthralled and overwhelmed with something so much more worth being overwhelmed by. My prayer for you is not that you're not overwhelmed, that you would be. Not that you're not overwhelmed by like the other nine who saw the circumstances all around them, but that you'd be overwhelmed like the one who saw God work in his life and was so overwhelmed by that reality that he could not help but go back and thank Jesus for it. All the others were like, man, that was awesome. I can't even believe it. We're healed. That's so great. The one recognized that it was Jesus who healed him and could not stop himself but to make a beeline back to thank his creator for his healing. Not overwhelmed at like thinking all the, all the stuff that you've got on your plate and the, the things of this world, but be overwhelmed by the goodness of God in your life. Not overwhelmed at the disappointment of like, I didn't get what I thought I should or I didn't get what I had hoped for, but being overwhelmed that God has given me more than I deserve. And if he never does anything else in my life, it's been enough. He's given me more. I pray that you'd be overwhelmed today. I pray you would. See, the, the nine got healed physically and returned to normal. But the one was made whole and returned to Jesus. May you not just stop at being healed, but be made whole through the Lord. I pray, in fact, that you are overwhelmed by his mercy and his grace and his love and his power towards you today. So as we sing, I'd love for you to make a comeback. Maybe there's some areas in your life where you just, you know what, your praise is overdue. And that's a reality. Like, there are blessings that used to be prayer requests that have never made it to praise report status. I don't know who you need to talk to. I don't know who needs to hear it. Maybe it's someone at the grocery store today. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your mom. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like for you, but I would encourage you to open yourself up for even greater blessing by choosing to turn your blessing into praise. There is something that happens in the heavenlies that exponentially grows when we choose to turn our worship not to ourselves, but to him. So Lord, we lift you up. And as we, as we lift up your name in this place, God, bring to remembrance what you're doing in our midst. Overwhelm us, God, with just stones of remembrance in our life. May they not go unnoticed. And may they not go unthankful. 
So Lord, we turn those back to you and we praise you because you're worth it. And yeah, there are still bad news on really good days and good news on really bad days. And it's a mixed bag and we don't get to experience life separately like a divided plate. But Lord, I thank you that you completely overwhelm us with your love and your grace that you give us more than we deserve. And you're worthy of it all. And so we lift your name up high. Church, lift his name up high as we worship you in Jesus' name. Let's worship him today.